Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. McCurry equals Marcada, Macana, Maruca, Amarigi, all of the East Caspian Sea. That's where they lived, all of the east side of the Caspian Sea. Mar Makran, southern Iran, um, and Skati and Maraka were names given to the Mercians, Mercians, means skiths from Maruka, east of the Caspian Sea. Mercia, known on the continent as Moringas, important element among the Goths. Remember the Goths? The Moringas were important among the Goths. And Anglo-Saxons. Marcomanni is another name for them in Germany. The name of Makur, son of Manasseh, became after a simple letter permutation the name America, which therefore, which therefore may be understood as meaning the land of Makur. You can find this on Yardavidi's Britam site. Yardavidi is an Orthodox Jew. He does not believe in Christianity. And he's done this as a Jew to find out where the ten lost tribes went. This is his information. You know, it's, it's right there. With Israel gone, all that was left after 723 BC was the southern kingdom of Judah. And they too were taken into captivity. And there's where they were taken. And notice again that the area that they were taken of was Babylon. I also want you to notice that one of the main things that Assyria and Babylon do is when they beat you in a the war, they transport you to another place so that you become disoriented and can't organize against them. Important piece of information because it continues to be done today by key nations. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. And again, I'm going to use heraldry to prove to you who they are. How can you, can you guys see that? So, here's Israel from the second captivity. Here's Israel from the first captivity. Here's the Caspian Sea. This is media. So I think the, this is Iran now. Here's Afghanistan way over here. This is the area of Iraq. And then Syria is over there. That's the area that they were. Now when you start looking in your books, you'll start to see that their names are now being reflected in history as the Gamarians or the Chimarians. And we haven't got a little bit, we've got to go a little bit further yet. So they're all in Iran, which I just showed you, and Iraq. And right here, or up here a little bit, is the Caucasus Mountains. Why is that important? Because the Persians, or the, uh, the Medes and the Persians, the Persians 
you know, the, the same as they are today. They don't really take prisoners. And they just kill you. So they, what they started to do, they started killing and executing the royalty of the Israelite lines. So they started to flee. But they couldn't flee this way because they were cut off. There was a tribe over here. And that's another, that's another great story. But they had to go around. There was a tribe here that came down to India and then went over here and then back around. And they became known as the white... Um, Genghis Khan, the White Huns. The White Huns. That's Naphtali. But the majority of them are trapped right here by this wave of Medes and Persians. And I might be getting ahead of myself. No, I'm not. I'm right on. And they're going to go up this way. And I don't know why they didn't go that way, but here is Armenia. And that's where the royal line was held. Here's the Caucasus Mountains. It's it's you can't go through it. It's a barrier, and we're going to get slaughtered if we don't find a way to go through. But there's a pass right here, I think it is. And it's called the Pass of Israel. Wow. Do you ever wonder where you get the name Caucasian from? Instead of just being called white people, we're called Caucasians. Because we had to pass through the Caucasus Mountains and we lived on this side of them. This powerful and increasingly numerous people therefore spread further north, both east and west of the Caspian Sea. To the west of it, they, presented to, they penetrated into the Volga and Don River Valleys. The Don River, that's a clue. It's named after Dan. As the, and they were called now the Seromatians and the Royal Sith. The Royal Siths. Nomadic people. To reach these lands, they had come up through the Caucasus Mountains by a great pass, which is today occupied the Georgian military road. Perhaps economists have changed the name of the pass in recent years, but from ancient times until within our own lifetime, the pass was known as the Pass of Israel. The white race of Europe is also known as Caucasian because of the, of the ancestors of many of them did thus come out of the Caucasus Mountains and to travel through the Caucasus Mountains, taking the route by the Georgian Road. This is one of the two highways through the mountains from south to north. Do you know when Israel crossed the Red Sea, it parted? Yeah, you know that. When Israel crossed the Jordan, it parted? Are you aware that when they went through the Caucasus Mountain, the river, the raging river there, stopped and parted so they could go across? Where is it in our history books? But it's there in our history. Why don't we know this? While Nebuchadnezzar was attacking Jerusalem and taking the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, known as the house of Judah, into Babylonian exile in 604 and 586 BC, the western branch of the northern ten tribes, now known as the Cimmerians with a hard C, C-I-M-M-E-R-I-A-N, were migrating up what is now the, Dan, the river Danube. That's that blue line. They arrived near its source in southern Germany around 600 to 500 BC, where they became known as the Celts, with a hard K, C. Or they're also called Gaul, after Gothalus. Remember Gothalus? Gaul? Gaelic? Hmm. Among the tribes of Scythia, the Mesengate attracted the notice of all ancient historians. 
by their number and warlike ability, those who describe them in more detail divide them into the Massengeti and the Thysengeti. The Gete, part of the name, soon evolved into Goth. The Messengeti were the greater Goths, and the Thessengeti were the lesser Goths. Thus, we already find among the Scythians names we can identify as the peoples who later conducted the Great Migration into Europe. The Goths, as we now, as we know, were later called Ostrogoths, meaning the East Goths, and the Visigoths, meaning the West Goths. So this is history that now is starting to become relevant to you because you understand it. We have seen that the names of the Mesengedi and the Thesengedi evolved into Goths and Ostrogoths or East Goths and Visigoths and West Goths. I'm talking fast, I'm sorry. The historian Ptolemy, remember I told you about Ptolemy? He recorded history from, about, uh, from the Babylonian kings down to our modern time. Who died in 150 AD mentions a Scythian people descended from Sakai by the name of Saxons who had come from Media. Albinus, who lived in the first century BC, also says, now Albinus is another historian who lived in the first century BC, the Saxons were descended from the ancient Saka of Asia, and in process of time they came to be called Saxons. Predu, another historian, reports that the Cimbrians came from between the Black and Caspian Sea, and that with them came the Angli, A-N-G-L-Y. Ironically, so here's the great story I started to tell. Ironically, it was Cyrus, king of Persia, who made the decree that let the house of Judah return to Jerusalem and rebuild. Yet, in 530, he marched north to bring under his control the rule and rule the main body of Israelite exiles, now known as Iskusa, or the Scythians who were living south of the Caucasus Mountains. In a fierce battle with the Scythians under their local queen, Tomyrus, the Persians were defeated and Cyrus was taken captive and killed. God had his judgment and Israelites had theirs. Tomyrus took the head of Cyrus and filled it full of blood because she said he will, she will quench his thirst for blood. And that's what she did. And she's one of the great history queens of our nations, and we don't know hardly anything about her. So i got to hurry up. So here we have the migrations of Israel. And you see, some of you must have seen this stuff like this. But this is all recorded in history and now can, can now be proven. These are some of the migrations of the Jewish diaspora afterwards. Now, I want to show you this. The Scottish Declaration of Independence. In the Arbroath Abbey, following the removal of the Stone of Destiny, which we talked about before, to Westminster, King Robert the Bruce, so this is after the King of England defeated the Scots, King Robert the Bruce of Scotland was visited by two emissaries of Pope John 22, to whom Edward II of England had appealed to, for help to compel Scotland to acknowledge England's lordship. You know the stubborn Scots wouldn't give in. These emissaries bore a message from the Pope advising Bruce to submit to Edward's claims, but Bruce and his nobles drafted a letter which they addressed to Pope John 22, and which can still be seen in the registered house of Edinburgh. It had attached to it colored ribbons and seals 
with the signatures of Robert the Bruce and 25 of his nobles. So this isn't just one man's opinion. It's all of Scotland understood this. The letter, which is drafted April 6, 1320 AD, read in part, We know, most holy Father and Lord, okay, so they got some little, this is talking to the Pope, and from the chronicles and books of the ancient, ancients gather, that among other illustrious nations, ours, speaking of Scotland, to wit the nations of the Scots, has been distinguished by many honors, which passing from the greater Scythia through the Mediterranean Sea and the Pillars of Hercules. Okay, the Pillars of Hercules, Gibraltar. And sojourning in Spain, Iberia, Hibernia, the Hebrew land, among most savage tribes, through a long course of time, could nowhere be subjugated by any people, however barbarous. And coming thence 1,200 years after the outgoing of the people of Israel. Why would the king of Scotland be talking about the people of Israel except that he was a descendant of them? They by, they by many victories and infinite toil acquired for themselves the possessions of the West which they now hold. In their kingdom 113 kings of their own royal stock. No stranger intervening have reigned. For so long as a hundred of us are left alive, we will yield in no least way to the English domination. We fight not for glory, nor for wealth, nor honor, but only and alone for freedom, which no man surrenders but with his life. Powerful words. Freedom. It's what we all talk about in Israel. So, I got so much more here to go, but I'm going to stop here. I think I've made my point. Your ancestry is right there. You, Amerigie, the Amerigians, that's your ancestry, the son of Makur. That's you. Don't let nobody buffalo you into thinking that it's a bad thing to be a descendant of Israel. But don't let nobody also confuse you in thinking that you are superior to anyone else. You're not. But because you are Israel, everything that I'm teaching you this week is because you are Israel. You, America, are Israel. You, Canada, are Israel. You, Australia, are Israel. You, England, you, New Zealand, you, South Africa, are a part of Israel. And because you are part of Israel, and we keep repeating that covenant word all throughout this teaching, we have broken the covenant that our ancestors made at Mount Sinai. Again, look on the nightly news. You are suffering the plagues of Leviticus 26, starting verse 14, for not keeping the covenant. Because you are Israel. Not because it's happens chance. Not because it's circumstances or just a coincidence. It's because you are Israel. And because he's calling you back to keep his Torah. And if you don't want to keep it, then you pay the price for, not break, or for breaking the covenant. But if you do want to keep it, if you do want to repent, and you do want to keep the Sabbath and the holy days and the sabbatical years, then Yeshua has already paid that price for you but you got to repent. And I told you the story about me repenting 
and then I was shown this stuff, and then I did test it, and then I took that test, and I accepted it, and I passed the test, and then I was shown the sabbatical jubilee cycles. You, sons of Makur, you, sons of Yemer, you, the sons of Manasseh and Ephraim, if you don't repent, there's going to be hardly any of his left in just a few years. So, why is this important? Because we're talking about you, Israel. Not some Jews over there, it's you. The Judah didn't get the name Israel, which we showed you today, you did. That's why you're the greatest nation in the world, because you received all the blessings from Jehovah for all the greatness. It's not because you're better than anyone else, it's because he blessed you in spite of yourselves. You receive these blessings. And you are now going to have them all taken away from you. I do this so you know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what the Bible's talking about, you don't know Bible prophecy. And if you don't know sabbatical and jubilee years, you can't understand Bible prophecy. And I'm teaching you both now. I have to go through some basic stuff right now because I know that you are Makur, you're sons of Israel, and you're thick and slow to learn. I'm going to have a lot of fun tonight sitting around the campfire all by myself. <laughs> right? Israel has been chained up. That's what that chain represents. And Judah repented, went back. Remember Nehemiah? They locked up the doors because people in Judah still wanted to work and sell and buy on the Sabbath. But from four, Nehemiah 4, or 8, 18 on down, we have records of the battle in Jubilee years until the Bar Kopa revolt. And after that, they're kicked out of the land again. Repent from not keeping the sabbatical years. Tomorrow, I'm going to show you who your enemy is. It's Assyria. It's the same enemy we've had since the beginning. And I'm going to show you through heraldry. And I hope it doesn't take this long, because I still got 60 more slides to go here. But we're going to shut her down. You are the sons of Makur. I'm Makur. American. The sons of Manasseh. The sons of Joseph. You. You. And you. And as soon as you figure that out, and as soon as you understand that, then you'll understand that all these prophecies are talking about you. Thank you. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. 
When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9WS3O. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out. Joseph F. Dumont explores every question about the sabbatical and jubilee years in Remembering the Sabbatical Year 2016. In order to understand the truth, you have to expose those things that are not true. What is left is then the facts. Remembering the sabbatical years examines all the theories put forward as to when the sabbatical years were, and then using your own Bible shows you how to be able to prove it for yourself. Once you do this, then you too can understand prophecy and in what season the Messiah is to come. Filled with groundbreaking insights, remembering the sabbatical years of 2016 is both a source of wisdom and practical knowledge on an important yet complex subject and a necessary guidebook for prevailing through today's times. The creator of the universe has set upon his creation a construct of keeping time, and within that construct of keeping time, he has also given certain instructions. These markers of time have everything to do with prophecy as well, for they are the language by which boundaries are set and milestones are crossed. Prophecy affects every living human being on the planet, and so the reader becomes the main character in this book. We have, for all the world, an example of a people who kept and also did not keep the Sabbath years as instructed, and you will see what happened to them in each of these cases. You cannot afford to be ignorant of these things. The curses for not keeping the sabbatical years are happening now all around us, and they are getting worse. We are to wrestle with the word to get the truth. Get your copy today and begin to understand world events today from a biblical understanding.